my name is Patrick and welcome to episode 27 of Solid 60. I'm hoping you can hear me, I'm hoping my breathing doesn't ruin the thing. Uh, apparently I should also have mattresses because I was listening to a podcast about recording. I think they were talking to an artist of some kind. God, all the details are gone, but essentially when he started out he used to just get three mattresses, fill up his room with, or just make a little cubby out of the uh, mattresses then hang a sheet over the top of them and get in there and record his rhymes whether it wasn't a podcast it was like a music thing that's all I can remember and obviously as he gets older he remembers as he becomes more accomplished and starts making some money then he can get a proper studio I think it might have even been a fictional podcast I heard it on because I started listening one to one called The Rose Lane nine fiction podcasts are just as entertaining as any audiobook well that seems like uh, it's worth clicking on and then you've got science fiction podcasts every nerd should listen to 10 best fiction podcasts well that's gonna kill some of my time isn't it I wonder if the one I was just talking about is in that list Limetown, Night Vale, Homecoming gee that's ironic because the one I just listened to was very much a homecoming type episode The Message, Steal the Stars, Immunities 36 Questions, Mabel, The Truth, Night Circus, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. Hang on, I think this is a whole new thing. Yeah, it's a totally new thing. Well, it's not one of those things, but uh, it was pretty good. So I might start listening to a few more fiction ones because once they've got the production value, uh, it's basically like a movie or a really good TV series, but directed, obviously, so you can tell what's going on with just audio. And uh, most of the time it works. So down for that. Um, I'm obviously checking Facebook while recording this, which is probably a bad idea. I'll stop doing that. But this guy, Doug Maher, he did the awesome Power Armor suit at Oz Comic Con, which is one of the things I want to talk about, the event itself. I didn't manage to get a decent photo of it. I kept missing the guy. I don't know how, because it's like the largest costume in the entire expo. He couldn't wear it all day, which probably didn't help. He was only in the thing for a couple of hours at a time. And I didn't make it to the competitions themselves but it's huge it's like 10 feet tall and uh, he said some of the details are a bit off so that's why he didn't win but I don't know I think he got chipped it's always some girl in a dress that wins just because she can sew boots but uh, no they're all great and they all deserve their prizes he said himself that he totally deserved to get whatever it was I think it was just best effects but for me that was the most standout in your face mind-blowing eye candy cosplay so because I'm all about giant suits of armor of course a bit biased recommend looking up Doug Ma that's M-A-R-R and seeing what he has because oh no he actually has a cosplay page which is 5 Nove uh, little doesn't really it's not super catchy it's like the number 5 then N-O-V then creations so yeah it doesn't really roll off the tongue and he just posted something about uh, his next project which is a the basis of it is an electric golf cart and he's uh, put it out there. The first person to guess correctly what it's going to be will get their name painted on the finished piece. And this will be released by Supermervis Sydney next year, what it's going to be. So obviously they're involved somehow. And if you guess correct, you're also going to get to drive the thing. So pretty excited about that. The worst part is, and a few other people have posted being annoyed because they know what it is and they can't enter, is that I think he might have told me at one point, because I remember talking to him uh, at Supernova, and he was all excited about an upcoming project. He just needed the golf cart, which he obviously now has. And I've totally forgotten what it was. I'm, I'm pretty clean now other than the car, 
which again, I thought I'd get done by Christmas, but with Melbourne coming up, with Rego due next month, with blah, 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 other costs, it's not quite gonna happen. But yeah, she sent me some links for a place, uh, looks nice enough. It's got a big backyard. For some reason, the tap is like on a four foot high post. So that's right at head height for Gabriel. It's gonna run straight into the thing. I did get to see him uh, this morning, so that was nice. That was my Saturday. Went out to the shops in Norellan, ran around the toy store and in Big W, which he loves. Oh, we nearly got out of there until he saw this. You should have seen his face. There's nothing more beautiful than a kid's face when he sees what to him is the most marvelous sight in the world. And that was one of those many things they set up in a mall with a bunch of uh, tires in kind of a semi oblong square thing and uh, there was enough room for at least six or seven of these little electric cars uh, one was Lightning McQueen they had a brightly colored police car they had a McLaren looking thing they were all open top you know those ones that little kids get in and drive around and he's almost ex the right age for it kids driving around were a little bit older and I got a feeling he might have just bounced off the walls a little but uh, gee his face just lit up like it was Christmas took a while to drag him away from that put him down to something a bit safer with some crowns and childcare centre advertising what they could do. And it's a bit more intense than the one he's at now. It teaches French and yoga and all sorts of ridiculous things. So she's keen to get him into that, which is partly due to the fact that the second place he ended up at, uh, which he's going to now, one of the carers, isn't very good at the whole wiping the butt thing. He keeps coming home with sores because, yeah, she's just... Can't seem to get to grips with the whole concept of getting rid of all the stuff that comes out of the butt before they put the nappy back on. You know, it seems like an obvious, you had one job type thing, and I know they've got more than one job, but that's kind of a no-brainer. So I don't know what's going on there, but it hasn't happened for a while. He is uh, as safe as houses again. You know, there was a pretty angry phone call from his mother, obviously, to the childcare centre, and it uh, seems like, I mean, the first time, Fair enough, mistakes happen as shitty as they are, but the second time, apparently he was really sore and upset and it was just not cool for anyone, so how the hell does that happen twice? I just, it'd be like, to me, that's about as bad as it could get other than dropping a kid. Like, for me, the worst thing I did at my job was driving off while hooked up to the freaking uh, refueling station. I literally ripped the thing off its mooring. Yeah, no one was happy with that, especially myself. But if I did that twice, I would be completely and utterly gutted and with no compunction, just walk away. Like I would be, he wouldn't even have to fire me. I would just resign. It would be that stupid. So um, not that I've never made the same mistake twice, but when it's something that big, you're just like, come on, man, what is your major malfunction? Speaking of mistakes, there was one thing I wanted to read that I came across during the week. I don't even think it was on Reddit. It was a Facebook post. And it just seemed so ridiculous. It couldn't be real. It was a picture of a guy climbing through like a vertical tunnel inside a cave. And it was just like his chest and his head coming out of it. And he looked rather happy. Quickly looked into it because it was all about like, yeah, he got stuck and that's it. They couldn't get him out. So he died. And I was like, well, there's no way they got that photo. Of course, it was just a demonstration purposes photo because the only thing you could see of this guy apparently in reality was his feet. He went into a famous cave for spelunkers, tried to go down something called the birth canal, was the wrong one, a little bit tight, couldn't get back out, it kept getting worse, he'd slipped further and further down. By the time 
who was in there, uh, yeah, it just didn't go well. I'll read the article that I found. There's a whole bunch out there to, you know, if you're not... It sounds too ridiculous and horrible to be true, but it's it's a thing. And, yeah, he's a Mormon, so he's there with his brother who just prayed with him until up, up to the end. It's just freaking... I can't think of a worse way to go. You know it's coming. There's nothing you can do about it. And horribly painful as well by the sound of... You know, you're slowly suffocating, like... Anyway, a man was trapped in a Utah cave for 28 hours before dying on Thanksgiving Eve had a limited chance of survival because he was stuck upside down. A hundred rescue, rescue workers tried to free 26-year-old John Jones of Utah after Jones became stuck in a tiny section 150 feet below the surface. It's got the worst name possible, Nutty Putty Cave in uh, Utah County. The hard rock and narrow walls severely limited rescue options. That was one thing I thought, though. Like, it's made of some weird... It's called Nutty Putty because it's this really soft clay-type stuff. I don't know how they couldn't have maybe tried to... Uh, not dig him out, but use some kind of... I, I have no idea what the situation on the ground is. I'm sure if that was an option, they would have done it. But I'm just curious why they couldn't use, like, a series... Well, what they apparently did was use a series of pulleys, which they'd managed to rescue a scout who was a lot smaller than him a few months before. They'd closed it and then just reopened it. And of course, this guy wanders in and goes, yeah, I'm just going to crawl down this ridiculously tight tunnel. What could go wrong? It sounds absolutely terrifying, says Dr. Wendy Wright. Yeah, of course. Uh, she explained hanging upside down for a long period of time could lead to death in a variety of ways and within less than a day. A fact exploited by the ancient Romans who crucified people upside down more often than right side up. So there you go. The upside down cross, rather than being a... Uh, symbol of Satan is probably a more realistic interpretation of the should wear them upside down if you're religious it was actually a form of torture and a quick way to kill somebody the position was nearly straight up and down close to 170 degree angle at that position he would have been very difficult for Jones to breathe the rib cage is built from the top down so the lungs expand into the body cavity but when someone is upside down the lungs are working against the weight of your liver of your intestines and the breathing muscles would have a difficult time overcoming that eventually Wright said, people in a head-down position will most likely die of suffocation. So even if you can move around, if you're stuck upside down, it's not going to last. Wow. Interesting fact I never knew I needed to know. Cannon said rescue workers stayed beside Jones throughout the ordeal. The small cave limited the rescue methods, so volunteers, yeah, they secured anchors in the walls and tried to pull him out by ropes. They were briefly able to lift Jones high enough to pass him some food and water, but when they were able to get him raised from where he was stuck... We had a ceiling anchor give way and he fell again. God, that just you get his hopes up and nap, nah, sorry. I wonder what his last meal was. It's just so morbid. It was very, very hard rock that is difficult to do anything with. Rescuers were trying to chip away at the rock. Had a five inch section they drilled away and it took them an hour and a half. Well there you go, they did try. And they started slipping in and out of consciousness. They frequently radioed up Joan's vital signs to a doctor, but according to Cannon near midnight. Jones lost a pulse and the doctor on site pronounced him dead. As uh, time went on, they say his body must have been fighting to breathe as well as fighting to pump blood against the forces of gravity. The vessels in the legs are endowed with fibres which constrict them when we stand upright, but the brain's arteries do not have that capacity. Hmm. In other words, our body is designed to prevent blood from pooling at our feet when we stand up, but it isn't designed to prevent blood from pooling in our head if we are turned upside down. Therefore, you get brain swelling and brain hemorrhages. The pooling of blood can cause a variety of problems before a brain hemorrhage 
Uh, Wright explained that heart may not be able to get enough blood to the kidneys, causing kidney failure and death. Well, we're designed really badly. So, which leads us on. Nice segue there to the next part of the podcast, which is a review of the movie Venom, because that's one of the lines said by the main bad guy, which is a horrible, horrible name. <laughs> and I can't remember his uh, name off the top of my head. So I will look it up. It was a bit of fun. I watched it with Lewis, the older one. It was just barely kind of PG-13 in America. M over here just made it within sort of the bounds of what he could watch. I know he's seen worse, but in terms of his mother coming to the cinema, just managed to get away with that. 35 is the meta score. I can kind of see why it does feel like a 2002 kind of superhero movie. I mean, if it was R-rated, they probably could have had a lot more fun with it. The style of movie that it is, it felt like... Ant-Man crossed with Spawn. Riz Ahmed was the main bad guy. Tom Hardy obviously is the hero. Michelle Williams playing the love interest. Rather lacklusterly. But yeah, here we are. I'm I'm scrolling down for the trivia. I'll just read him out because eventually his name will come up. That is the main bad guy. And yeah, it was like super... Felt like they'd just sat down and workshopped it to come up with the worst bad guy name ever it's very distracting you see that little bell up in the top right hand corner with 11 notifications you wouldn't think that's that many but to me it's like a shining a presence under the christmas tree waiting to be opened even though nine of them will just be for example people liking stuff or someone posting in a group or reactions to things i've posted i don't care about those i care about replies like doug mars reply here post where i was like can i make like 10 different guesses Sure, as many as you like. Oh, yes. It's never going to end. I really wouldn't mind to write on that thing. Imagine getting my name on it, too. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. That's uh, pretty freaking cool. All good guesses so far, but no. Oh, damn. Right, back to Venom. And I hadn't really finished the whole thing about the man trapped in the cave. There was like a little bit at the end. She hoped Jones was unconscious for much of the ordeal. Yeah, so do I. Like, at the end there, hopefully he's just like, I'm out. See ya. God, I can't think, think of anything worse. He had two kids. Some of these risks just aren't worth, ta- worth taking people. Tom Hardy's son, Lewis Thomas Hardy, is a fan of Venom, and Hardy took the role to please him. Well, I was going to say, because other, <laughs> otherwise there's nothing about the movie that you'd think would draw him to it, like in terms of the script or anything else. It's just like, what are you doing? You know, the same guy that just did, he's done The Craze and a whole bunch of really actorly movies, but here he is in a schlocky, like... It even feels like a mid-90s thing, like maybe an early proto-Blade type. And, and you know, Spawn. The only Ant-Man reference... Well, it's in San Francisco. That's why I think it's a little bit like that. And it's got a lot of attempts at humour. Unfortunately, they don't kind of hit as much as they do in Ant-Man. But, you know, now and then, it's, if, if you're in there with the right mood, the right sense of humour, and you take it for what it is, you don't get excited and go, oh, it could be the next... It's nowhere in the same league as anything done by Marvel. Uh, though, to me, even though it's a different beast, it's still as entertaining as the DC stuff because they're not perfect obviously but they have their occasional moments like I'd put it up against Justice League the funny bits in that are probably as good as the funny bits in this this is what he said I wanted to do something my son could watch so I did something where I bite people's heads off Louis also guided his father on how to appropriately portray Brock since Hardy didn't know the character very well well that's so freaking cool it doesn't mention how old his son is but uh, it's pretty cool. Well, it was originally going to be released with an R rating following Logan and Deadpool, but they decided to cut for any potential tie-ins with Spider-Man. A director's cut with an R rating is rumoured to be in the works. Oh, yeah. It had to be. 
uh, enough footage lying around to do that. There's something funny about the circumstances of having a tragic gift. It's a superpower you don't really want, but at the same time you love it. It makes you feel special. He's both a reluctant hero and an anti-hero. Pretty much just like Jessica Jones, which I just finished watching. Now that's all the Netflix Marvel stuff done and dusted. Uh, next I'll have to get into S.H.I.E.L.D., which I actually bought on Blu-ray. Once I've got caught up with those, we'll round out all the Marvel stuff for me. Even if they're not really tying them together that well, it still counts. The problem is I've heard that the first three seasons are kind of slow. So it's going to be a slog. Ultimately, for me, my OCD, like I need to cover all the Marvel things, at least MCU-wise. You know, cinematic and TV, again, loosely tied together, but that's part of the, the joy of it. Is it like, oh, that's the guy from this and that's the guy from that. And most of the time, the logic, the continuity works. There's obviously going to be plot holes and things that don't make sense. But if they get it right, most of the time, that's pretty rewarding. I'd love to go back and read all the comics as well, but given how many times I've rebooted it, and yeah, it's just too much. It's too much. I need to like almost take a year off to even get the basics. Tom recorded his lines for the Venom symbiote during pre-production, and they were played back to the actor through an earpiece on set during scenes where Brock and the symbiote talk to each other. Yeah, that works. That's probably how they do a lot of those type of things. You can't really hear it. I mean, they modify it so much with effects that it could have been anyone, really. The filmmaker cites John Carpenter, David Cronenberg, and uh, films like American Werewolf as, uh, you know, and Ghostbusters as influences. Yeah, you can see that, but it's not R-rated, so they couldn't really go all the way. Carpenter and Cronenberg, those are full-on splatter gore fests. And this, I mean, the odd head was eaten off, but it was very quick, and there was a lot of cutting away to... Uh, use the imagination rather than what was on screen. It'll be interesting to see if that's more effective in the end. Uh, the film is well known to have an extremely difficult production history. The film was originally envisioned as a direct spin-off from Spider-Man 3, though Topher Grace was stated not to return to the role. God, who's, who can remember that? That's, that's 2007, so nearly 10 years ago. Uh, shortly after the franchise was rebooted, the film was announced once again. Not nearly, that's over 10 years ago. Uh, within the continuity of the web series. Once The Amazing Spider-Man 2, 2014, was released, Sony announced that Venom Carnage would be a part of the Spider-Man cinematic universe. Soon afterwards, Sony and Marvel decided to collaborate with Spider-Man franchise, opting to reboot again and placing a Venom spin-off on hold. Though Sony wished to continue with their spin-offs of the Spider-Man franchise, no word has been announced on future projects. Because, I mean, everyone's like, oh, it's set up at the end. There's this whole scene with uh, Carnage. And it's going to lead into the next one. It's like, yeah, they still have to make money. Like, the number of movies there's been where they've said, obviously, there'll be, going by the storyline, a sequel, but then nothing was ever made because no one watched the first one. I can't count. Like, Fantastic Four is an obvious one. Uh, and obviously, there'd be a lot more that I just can't remember off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, there's not... I've seen a few people post on Facebook, like, oh, there's going to be a sequel. And it's like, yeah, no, it doesn't just go off what the writer wants, unfortunately. The writers aren't holding the checkbook. Um, Tom Hardy considers Venom the coolest hero because he has a brazen swagger and zero foxtrot attitude. Hey, see what he did there with the foxtrot? It's a euphemism. Jackie Earl Haley expressed interest in playing the role of Carnage. I don't know who that is. It ended up being Woody Harrelson, but only for about two seconds. And again, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Tom Hardy cites the Ren and Stimpy show as an influence on the relationship between Eddie Brock and Venom. I always saw Venom as a lounge lizard and Eddie Brock as an everyday kind of guy who's inherited this massive ego beast. I guess that kind of works. Jeez, that's a stretch. 
Tom Hardy uh, played the supervillain Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. In the comics, Bane ingested a serum named Venom to gain super strength. Well, that's kind of cool. It's a nice little tie-in. This is Michelle Williams' first superhero film. When asked why she wanted to be part of the movie, she said, I always like to do things I haven't done before. Genres, parts. I like a challenge. And one of those challenges has been stepping into a bigger world. What is she talking about? What is bigger about this world than anything else she has been in? And speaking of which, I can't uh, think of anything else she's been in. The name is familiar. And it's going to take me a second there. Blue Valentine. Take this waltz. Marilyn. See, she's done proper movies. She's done, like, art house stuff. She's American. Raised in Montana. But, yeah, I can't see... You just jump to, like, her 58 credits. I'm trying to find something really big. Where everyone's like, oh, she was in that. But they're all sort of... Uh, Shutter Island, I guess, made some money. Take this waltz, maybe? Brokeback Mountain. All right, she was a love. She was, like, one of the uh, wives there. Dawson's Creek. Yeah, no, nothing really big. I don't know why I thought the name was really familiar. But I certainly didn't really recognise her. In June, Kevin Feige confirmed that the movie world would not be set in the MCU. However, Amy contradicted this by saying it would. It was later announced at the same month that Venom is its own universe. So Amy, you were wrong. Who is Amy anyway? To click on her now, don't I? She is uh, the producer for Spider-Man Homecoming. So she's obviously on the Fox side of things a little bit. But, uh, sorry, Amy, you got overruled. Kevin is the god, and what he says goes. Matt Smith, Pedro Pascal, and Matthias Schoenhartz. I can't pronounce his name, and I'm not even sure who he is. They were also looked at as the for the villain role. I thought Riz did okay. I mean, he just kind of stared at the screen a lot and did some schemey speeches and rants, but it was very much by the numbers with that portrayal. There's nothing charming about him at all. He was supposed to be Elon Musk, to a degree. I mean, egoistic billionaire that runs a space program. The only thing that was missing was electric cars. He did have all these, like, wickedly powerful drones that could fly around the city and just blow things up at random. He obviously had no compunctions or concern about law enforcement. Almost seemed to be, like, paid by him. Which is, yeah, very not much. Not the world we live in. As much as Tom Hi uh, Elon Musk has a bit of juice, I don't think he could just blow up half of San Francisco without being put in Guantanamo Bay no matter how high tech he went with it originally Tom Hardy was going to portray Venom in motion capture but the plan was scrapped because the facial features could not be imitated your eyes and teeth and tongue are not going to match with his and you need a 7 foot tall basketball player in a lycra suit for the physical shots Venom is fully CGI however Tom did perform as Venom on camera in the costume of Brock over which Venom was animated in keyframes. A second trailer garnered 64 million views within 24 hours, which ballooned to 124 million within the first week. So obviously there was a bit of interest. Maybe it will make some money. In March, Chronicle director Josh Trank was negotiating with Sony about his interest in direct... Oh, it's a good thing they kept him away. He is just box office poison. Again, like Fantastic Four, another movie that just did not uh, work out. The film's poster is designed in a similar fashion to one of the Spider-Man 2 movie posters. In each poster, the design presents the main character's face covered by part of his costume. Oh yeah, I thought that looked familiar. Out of five Marvel films released, this is the only non-sequel. However, Black Panther was the start of its own sub-franchise sub despite it being a spin-off of Civil War. Yeah, I didn't think that was a sequel. Zac Efron joked that he's playing Eddie Brock on April Fool's Day. Haha, <laughs> you cunning... Jokes to you. What a crack up. 
Carlton Drake, that's the guy's name, just awful, awful name, uh, is younger than his comic book counterpart. He was also not the original host of the Riot Symbiote. Yeah, they changed that. Uh, the filmmakers cite Venom storylines Lethal Protector. Venom becomes a vigilante guardian hero for San Francisco uh, as an influence on the film. So again, I haven't read them. My co-host, Jaden, has read them. He hasn't watched the movie yet, so hopefully when I record Banana Split tomorrow with him, we can give it a, another review and see what his thoughts are. By that time, he's actually watched the freaking thing. He was trying to get Sony to send him some tickets, but uh, obviously that didn't work out. Who knows, if we keep at it a couple more years, we will have the juice to score media tickets. I think he has to do a bit more than tweet the Sony account, though. Maybe find out who the press people are, you know, contact someone directly. That might help. With While this is Venom's second live-action film after Spider-Man 3, other symbiotes will make their debut in this film. Yeah. In the comics there are nine symbiotes, including Venom, eight of which are full symbiotes. Venom, Agony, Phage, Lasher, Scream, Riot, Carnage, Toxin, and Anti-Venom. Ooh, they all sound like lovely chaps. In the comics, he was initially attached to Spider-Man. Uh, when he realized his costume was alive, he disposed of it. It would later come in contact with Eddie Brock, and the two would be bonded. The film omits the Spider-Man part due to Sony selling the rights to Marvel. Uh, instead, the film uses the Life Foundation experimenting with symbiotes. Trivia. Nothing too interesting in there. Unlike the Predator trivia, which got really cool, like the whole thing with the sex offender being kicked out and having to reshoot stuff, which was actually brought up on Fat Man, on Batman, which is now called uh, Fat Man Beyond for some reason, even though he's no longer fat. It still kind of works. If they keep doing it 20 years from now, they might call it Fat Man Forever, which I thought is quite cute. Uh, so yeah, he's Mark Bernardin's reading of the Hollywood news, such as trivia around Predator. Like, they, they also review stuff as well, so his take on the Predator was quite good. He didn't hate it, but yeah, it certainly didn't belong in the pantheon of the original too. So errors in geography. Anne picks up Eddie at Transamerica Pyramid, then heads to a hospital by driving along the Embarcadero. The street is out of the way to go to any hospital with numerous other streets offering a more direct and quicker route. Yeah, but I mean, the cops are all over the place, so maybe some of the roads are blocked. I don't know. There was a, there was a bunch of ridiculous goofs in the movie that much more glaring than that, so obviously just no one's taken the time to put them in. I was going to look at, like, uh, details, technical specs. There should be something here showing how well it's doing. Official sites, country, language locations. They actually filmed it in San Francisco, so that's cool. I want to see how well it's doing, but I can't. But I can't. Now playing box office. There we are. Uh, Night School's at the top. That's a surprise. Venom is... It seemed to be there. I, know, I mean, I know it just came out. So I guess we'll see what happens this weekend. That's that's probably what they're waiting on. Because I think it came out basically Thursday. And Smallfoot, House with a Clock. It's made 45 million so far, so I guess that's good. That's obviously... Oh, that's in the US. So that's not amazing. 109 million for the Nun. So that did pretty well. Crazy Rich Asians did 165 million so far. So good on them. Predator did 50. So... <laughs> I don't think they're going to do another one with those guys. Sorry. That's just not enough these days. I don't know what their budget was, if I go back to that. I mean, it's got all this stuff. It's got the cast and the storyline and a bunch of trivia... 
There's nothing really talking about how it did financially, which you'd think would be somewhere up the top. Was it successful? Not that that's all that matters, the financial side, but it'd be nice if there was a little summary for that. Like how much, what's it done profit-wise since it was released? That would be a cool thing to keep track of. You know, even when it comes out on DVD, that might give it a bit of a bump. Nothing there that I can see. I mean, if you go to box office, budget was 88 million, and you can see more on IMDb Pro, which I don't have, so yeah. I might think about getting that if I'm going to keep doing this. It might be useful. Because, I mean, it can kind of, it's all hidden behind this pop-up, but you can kind of tell that it's got a little bit more detail on how it did money-wise. But not enough. Not as much detail as I'd want, so I'll leave that for now. Uh, what else did I watch? Yeah, like I said, Jessica Jones, it finally wrapped up. That was intense. A lot of trust issues between the Scooby gang, uh, her sister, so much adopted sister, but well, she, Jessica was adopted. She meets, finds out her mother hadn't died after all. She's the big bad, uh, and it's all very complicated. They end up going on a road trip together, and yeah, it's full of spoilers, this review. If you haven't watched it by now, you probably weren't going to. That's not really an excuse, but... <laughs> Because with Netflix, you can get around to it months or years later. But uh, I don't know. I've got a feeling that if you weren't... if you re The only people who are going to watch it are people that are really down to pound with anything Marvel. Because it's it's not really the most famous or captivating show in the whole pantheon. Like the Probably the least appreciated is Iron Fist, which at least they kept down to 10 episodes for the second season. This is a full 13 and uh yeah i'm not super blown away i mean it was still fun but the most fun episode was there was one where kilray kind of comes back he's in her head but he's running around and, and doing his usual thing with his sense of humor and that was the most fun it was like the chemistry the way he just nailed everything uh with that sardonic wry sense of what's going on i was like oh this guy he should have been in her head the entire time a bit like uh Crichton dealing with the guy that's in his head if you've ever seen Farscape it's a similar situation and it makes it so much more interesting TF this is the same problem Joe Rogan has I don't know why he doesn't just take the phone off the hook not as easy for me to do with mobile phones and everything I'm not going to run around and turn them all off but Christ I've literally told and yeah she said so late with Cecilia and wait, it's 6 o'clock it's not like it's 10 o'clock at night and now, so, Karen's like, you're never seeing her this late. This means you're going to do something else. Like, that's the implication. Like, oh, it's not Cecilia, is it? This is why, <laughs> as painful as it is, we need to just be like, we're best mates. And somehow make that work. As, as hard as that is to get to a place where we're okay with chatting and hanging out and seeing the kid and all that and not have all this other garbage in there like, oh, who are you seeing? tomorrow or tonight and all that sort of weird paranoid you know not that I haven't been a complete dick back in the day uh, to deserve that sort of scrutiny but without the trust there's no point so and the trust is never going to be there again so let's just find a way to and that's the hard part and whenever we catch up in person um, you know it's just too hard to talk about like it's it's some reason when we're texting it's like all oh, this shit comes out obviously it's easy to get misunderstood because there's no tone, so you end up inevitably having a huge argument. And then, yeah, later when you catch up, you just want to avoid the drama, so you end up just having small talk and then hanging out with the kids. So, yeah, we never quite really deal with the issues we need to. And that's why I think seeing a therapist isn't crazy. It's like a good idea for 
you know, even couples to go and people that are bound together for some reason to see an impartial third party and have it all laid out in a structured, non-combative way. So whenever that's going to happen, I don't know. But um, Christ, so now Silly's called it off. What is her... But does she go to bed at nine o'clock or something? Like, I know I tend to run things a little late, but... And who has dinner now? Okay, it's getting a bit late. I mean, dinner's kind of usually happening now, but I could be there in half an hour. Like, you couldn't wait half... Like, who eats at home when someone's coming over? She's going to make some crappy food in her crappy kitchen. Like, let's go out. That's why you... That's what you do when you... Well, at least in my world. <laughs> Doing something social, you go down the road, you get a meal from a restaurant. Fine. Anyway, I'll, I'll ring her in a minute and deal with that. Uh, what was the other thing I was going to do was read the thing I did for Comic-Con. That's the other thing I was going to talk about. It comes to Sydney. Uh, on a sunny September weekend, just as the school holidays begin, the International Convention Centre at Darling Harbour hosted the Oz Comic-Con Sydney. I have read this before and I had to publish it a few days ago because I was getting emails from the Oz Comic-Con people going, yeah, so where's that article? Love to see it. Can't wait. I'm like, oh, shit. I had meant to do it on Monday and it just dragged out and I was waiting for information to come back, which never did. So I just, I think it was Friday by the time I actually started, went live with all the photos because, yeah, there was that issue I think I talked about the other day, trying to get back online. Apparently all I had to do was wait and overnight it resets. That's never been the case. I'm 100% sure that that was never, ever told to us. Yeah, according to the other pub editor, she's like, yeah, no, that, that's always done that. Why didn't you tell me the week before? Yeah, I definitely did talk about this. So I won't drag it out again, but frustrating stuff. Um, so anyway, let's read this freaking thing. It's an annual event that becomes a mecca for geeks, artists, and fans from all walks of life. If there's anything on screen or between two covers that moves your heart, then you're pretty much guaranteed to find something in the convention that makes it beat even faster with excitement. And you're pretty much guaranteed to find something at the convention makes it beat even faster. Oh man. This is why you need to read it twice. <laughs> I think it's really like when I did proofread it, it was just in my head. I didn't do it out loud. So I was just like, I'm in a hurry. I'm going to read through it and it sounds fine. But again, you need to do it with your voice. As dumb as that makes you sound. If you're just sitting at home reading out loud, you're like, does this guy not, can he not read without moving his lips? Whether it's merchandise celebrating the show, artwork portraying your favourite characters, a cosplayer doing the same, or even one of the actors or writers and artists involved in creating the fandom itself. That was a mouthful, but I'm leaving. It's one place where inspiring actors, carefully crafted cosplay, authors, artists, game developers, and fans can all come together to share their love of pop culture. Man, I want to do this, but my mouth just isn't cooperating. Whether it's merchandise celebrating the show, artwork portraying your favourite characters, cosplayer doing the same or even one of the actors or writers and artists involved in celebrating the fandom itself it's one place where inspiring actors carefully crafted cosplay authors artists and game developers and fans can all come together to share their love okay i probably had too many things thrown in there but it works maybe among the visiting screen legend this year were blah a bunch of names none of them really stood out like uh the only one i noticed was Ditchin Lackman, because she was in the hundred, and I really like. She's one of those tall Eurasian just goddesses, and you're like, no, never really attracted. I, I get Carrie Yules. He's from a, a bunch of movies. I think Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I know enough to Google him again. He's one of those guys that just reminds me maybe in the same. He does a lot of stuff like Bruce Campbell, like lots of B movies and, and random strange 
or pops up in different movies here and there. Robin Hood, Benny Tights, Yet Saw, Princess Bride, uh, Twister, you know, just all sorts of interesting supporting cast stuff. And he's, he seems cool. I, I don't know what he looks like now. Obviously aging, but he looks pretty good. I didn't get to see him at the convention, but uh, he's holding out well. He's not his young Princess Bride self, but I mean, for however old he is, what, maybe in his 50s, he's doing well. And it's not all like, uh, you know, plastic surgery. I mean, there might be some, but it's not like, uh, is it Mickey Rourke? Who's the guy that was in Iron Man 3? It's just just a mess of plastic surgery. But yeah, there was no big names, but you know, they do what they can. Uh, they and many other luminaries hosted panels, signed autographs and posed for photos with fans. Other panels discussed tips on how to create your best cosplay ever, writing techniques and many other topics. One of the most famous guests in the cosplay world was Yai Han, flown all the way from California. She's arguably, arguably the most well-known cosplayer in the world. And when you see her back catalogue of costumes, it's pretty clear why. Sponsored by Spotlight and selling her own boutique range of fabric, there was always a long line of fans waiting to have their moment with her. And she was always smiling and gracious with her time. She was also a judge at the Champions of Cosplay, along with Amano Kataru, last year's winner. That's Will and breathlessness that's it Matt uh, tongue twister uh, who hosted the Jill of all trades cosplay troubleshooting panel they're all about the mouthful titles this event saw not just the Sydney finals but also the national championship and the trophies were handed out as shown below I've got cherry lane cosplay with this giant uh, looks like an Alice in Wonderland dress Queen of Hearts type thing and you've got Rapunzel there by Sputnik Cosplay, she got the wild card prize. Lila B Cosplay got best armor, it was pretty cool. Like, again, I think standing out wise, like Five Nove should have got it, I think, best armor. But then again, I didn't get up close to them, and the judges are better than me with this sort of stuff, so they know what they're doing. And hers does look amazing, I gotta admit. So if you just check out Lila B, you'll see what I mean. Uh, she's got this amazing, like, weapon, the prop section on the front there with the this jewel inside it, it just looks insane. You have to check it out. So, didn't go out my cosplay one best in Australia and I couldn't find a decent photo so I got one that she used on her page and uh, it'll have to do. But again, it's just, she made her own boots and the dress and all this sort of stuff. So, good on her, it looks amazing. Another event worth mentioning and held in partnership with Oz Comic Con was a Nintendo sponsored Play World aimed at the much younger crowd. This was a smaller but very slick hall, jam-packed with activities for toddlers and kids up to about 12. With the main stage constantly rotating high-energy acts such as PJ Mask, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Dougie and more, they pretty much had all the kids' favourites except the Wiggles. When the kids weren't being wowed by the performers, they could chase bubbles, learn yoga and have nerf battles. Build giant towers made from wooden blocks or oversized Lego, draw or dress up. Dig dinosaurs out of pits, shoot Hot Wheel cars, Hot Wheels, cars, down ramps, and so much more. Again, I think I've probably put too much in one paragraph there, just as a list. I could have maybe gone bullet point with that, looking for advice there, because yeah, it's, it's, it feels a bit hard to read all that out in one go. It might be easier to do it by, if you're just reading it off the page, it might not be so painful. The list of things they could do is endless, and while the 35 entry might seem s steep, $35, when combined with the Oz Comic Con tickets and given how much there was to do, we found it reasonable. I didn't get any photos in there, weirdly, though, so I couldn't... 
I just felt weird. Like I was surrounded by toddlers and you just walk around there with a camera. I don't know. I couldn't yeah, get into it as much as I could on the con floor. Uh, so I've just got pictures of like there's a family with kids and then some kid dressed up as Gamora to, you know, it's as close as I could get. And the problem is the family is this cute Asian family. Mum's Superman. I'm sorry, Supergirl. Father is like a devil. It's all stuff just brought off like some, you know, internet costume shop, which is fine. You know, that's how everyone starts. And then the daughter's got like a um, Alice in Wonderland thing, I guess. And yeah, the problem is, and I took like three or four photos, but in every single one, but I'm pretty sure the mother's eyes are closed. I might swap that out actually, because now I've got all Jamie's photos with, that's another thing I can probably change. Cause it doesn't look very professional to have someone in there on the article with their eyes closed in the photo. So I might switch that. Mume did a bunch of cool photos and no one's liked, tagged any of them. So I took a bunch and threw them on the uh, Beyond Cosplay page. Hopefully that makes a bit more noise for him. But uh, yeah, I might switch out some of these photos. Even the one I've got of the kid dressed as Gamora. It looks a little blurry. It's not the greatest lighting. Yeah, I just had to make do with my little camera. So yeah, if anything, back downstairs at the Comic-Con, there was almost too much to do. My only suggestion, if it's affordable for the organizers, would be a phone app to keep track of events and alert users to an upcoming panel cosplay competition now someone actually responded to that and said yeah there is an app it's just they didn't uh, advertise it so i'll have to edit that i might have to just post a link to the app my only suggestion to anyone coming would be to use the app there are announcements occasionally on loudspeakers mentioning impending things to see and do but they were often drowned out by the noise so more ways of informing con girls of what's on and where would be great Otherwise, it was a fantastic weekend. As far as we could tell, went off without a hitch. The team behind it is clearly settling in, making full use of the space. Lines seem better organized than last year, so lessons are being learned. Uh, There's no issues with photography, complained about on social media in the days to follow, so clearly a chat with security was had following some tension, the tension at the RTX event in March. In fact, a lot of the photographers who usually roam the halls were given plenty of space inside the main hall to shoot their subjects. Yeah, it was much better. Large and high-quality backdrops provided some serious production value for talents such as Steam Kittens and Mume to do their thing. Uh, I didn't mention some of the others, but they're the two that I saw. Uh, we stayed on the move so as to take in as much of the event as possible, but still managed to grab a few shots. Check out the rest over here. So that's it, the last of Oz Comic Con of the year, and so far my favourite cosplay-friendly event in Sydney in 2018. I hope you also enjoyed it, but if you didn't make it, then do make sure you clear your schedule in 2019 it's going to be back bigger than ever so that's that and appreciate anyone who has me in their ear because i know there's a lot more choice out there than this a lot of free really good content which i hope you are enjoying if so then get back to me and tell me what you are listening to because i'd love to hear and increase the library that i'm slowly working through i uh, just downloaded like 50 episodes of conversations with richard feidler because i'm a bit behind on that that's pretty much everything since july that I've got to get through and yeah it's always going to be one of my favorite podcasts like just the way he can sit down with anyone from all walks of life and find out what's the, what their story is because everyone has a story to tell and that's what I'm looking forward to doing eventually as well like interviewing more people probably with Banana Split because it's always going to be a bit more personal the last story I want to tell is the personal thing at work last week I forgot to mention earlier on but basically I had a run-in with one of the operators at a site I go to every morning there's a guy they use to help me run around little filipino dude super cool guy english isn't super perfect but he does his best and 
just super generous with his time and, and helps me get to all the machines I need to fill up and makes it a lot easier than the first, say, week or so I was by myself and it was just a mess. So he's really made it easy over the years and, or not years, I think I've been doing it for maybe just under a year now at that, at that site because uh, the last guy that used to service it got kicked out for, he kept leaving filters and fuel caps off and all sorts of drama. So they got me in and it's been fine until last week when this Filipino dude was like, yeah, um, so my car's flat, the tire got punctured somehow. I'm pretty sure I know what happened because I looked out the window last night and saw one of the operators letting it down. I was like, it took me a while to figure out, but basically, because there was some confusion with his English and stuff, like I couldn't quite understand. What had happened was he lives with one of the other workers there and that guy had gone out at night and he's done it before to other housemates of his and let the tire down. And apparently not just let it down, but put a hole in it, a puncture of some kind, because now he's on a space saver. Or, it, or at least he was until a few days later when he finally had to go out and buy a completely new tire. It was just his word against that guy, basically, because he couldn't prove it, so he didn't get in trouble at work. There's nothing anyone could do. So all I did was walk up to the boss and say, look, can, uh, I'm not going to fuel him, because unless he says sorry, because I believe this guy. And that's not right. And so TJ, who's the boss there, is like, well, well, you can't prove it, so we can't really do anything about it. I'm sorry. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. I, I don't want to fuel him if he's doing that sort of stuff. It's bullying. And I'm all about stopping bullying. So I just, in the moment, made a decision thinking I had more power than I did. And TJ was like, well, he needs fuel, so maybe get him to do it himself. And I was like, slowly starting to realize what I'd done, back down a little bit and went, yeah, okay, that works. So eventually I drove around there and, and stopped and, and got out and... I don't think it was raining at that point, but it was... This guy definitely, once he gets in that loader, he doesn't want to slow down. They're constantly throwing stuff in trucks and uh, moving things around, so they don't like getting held up. But he uh, he eventually came over, and he had to get it very gently explained to him that he was going to do it himself. And uh, he didn't like that one bit, so he got quite stroppy. And he's a big guy. He's uh, about my height, but a lot heavier. And, you know, not in a muscly way, but still, you know, it's, it's bulk. And he, he seems like the type that wants to use it. Stormed over to TJ and Mark was with me, who's one, sort of sub-manager, who's like this old guy with his little dog that runs around with him. It's really cute. And he's normally not super nice to me, but for some reason on that morning, he was like, no, nah, man, that's really good. I can't believe you did that. No one stood up to him and shook my hand. So that kind of validated what I'd done. Uh, but it was still a huge mess because he just was adamant that he hadn't done it and uh, ended up, because Mark was like, well, what are you going to do? You got you need petrol. So have you never filled up anything before? So he just ate humble pie, filled it up, jumped back in and took off. I drove around, did the last machine, which is always the sweeper, this little truck that drives around, uh, basically does what it's named for doing. Uh, who am I? I'm thinking I'm Ed Bowling in here telling the story. There's another favorite, not a podcaster weirdly, because that's all he does is tell stories uh, and really well. He doesn't like run around and act or anything. He just sits there on YouTube telling these amazing car stories. So to me, it's like, it's all audio. Just do it, make it in podcast form. But I'm stuck watching it on YouTube. Anyway, so yeah, this guy ends up running out after a while. Like he'd gone back to work in his loader, then chucked it all in, stormed over. And I, while I'm filling the sweeper, I'm seeing him face to face with TJ, just yelling at the top of his lungs. Fuck this, fuck you, blah, blah, blah. 
and TJ obviously wasn't too happy with that so I was like piss off then so he went home yeah I feel like if I just shut my mouth none of that would have happened but then again I didn't want the guy to get away with being a total tool so it just ended up in this weird awkward standoff and then the guy left so obviously the day wasn't as productive for everyone as it could have been apparently what happened is he went on a bit of a bender that weekend and somehow won 10 grand on the pokies so I think and then just came back to work so I think in the end he won but hopefully he stops messing with Bugsy who's the Filipino guy that's what we call him I'm not sure why I don't know it was just messy and I don't think I'll get involved in like that again uh, I did text TJ a few hours later going yeah sorry I just got pulled into the moment won't happen again he was like, yeah, it's all good. So I didn't lose that client. Did tell my boss's son, because we're quite close. And he said, yeah, I won't bring it up with anyone else. But yeah, it was probably not a good idea. And I went, are you right? You're completely right. That was fucking stupid. So just a weird situation that happened. I think I kind of, my heart was in the right place, but it wasn't very smart professionally to do. So lesson learned. So that was it. That was appreciate any thoughts on that as well and if you've seen venom if you agree with me i'll give it a score actually i haven't done that yet so maybe solid 6.3 that's my like yeah it was okay score which i'll have to go back and enough stuff it it's out there imdb i've said it that would be interesting if imdb eventually gets smart enough to pick that up from the ether from the airwaves through wi-fi or some clever technology like that and just adjusts my settings for that it just goes yep that's what he said and that adds it to the aggregate score so yeah that's it for now i'm gonna have to start a new beyond the con next week i think because we're heading into the middle of october so given how long it takes me to do if i start next week i might be done by the beginning of november uh, though i do want to make it shorter christ that last one was insane there we go. So I think, uh, thank you all for listening and I'll be back in a few days to record another one and hopefully have somewhere to upload it because we're a bit in, in a state of flux between the old network and the new one. Uh, I did talk to Anthony who runs the new one. I think it's called ID Network. going to have somewhere for me to put it. So fingers crossed. All right. Have a solid week.